0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Do want to talk some NFL draft stuff. Um, We get on people who know the National Football League a lot leading up to the NFL draft. Well, where are these players coming from? They're coming from college football, right? So the people who have been paying attention to on top of the college football game all year know the talent level of these players. Some of them know pretty well how that will translate to the NFL. I believe our next guest would be one of them. He covers all of college football for 24 7 sports. National College Football reporter, uh Brandon Marcello, my guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Brandon Johnny Mac here. How are you, bud? I'm good. How are we doing? Good. Um how long you been on the college football beat?
1: Well, I've been on covering college football one way or another, whether it's uh, team coverage, Auburn, and in the uh, you know Mississippi State, Arkansas, and the SEC for about 12 years, and been doing national here for uh, the better part of, uh, I guess, what, what, what am I thinking now? It's been a little over a year now.
0: Very nice. Um, so you understand what it's like to judge a college football player and his talent level and then be able Absolutely. to follow him when he gets to the pros Because there are some great college football players who just never turn into pro football players. There are some college players who you would think would be better. And then their game just seems to be better suited for the pros. And they actually are better players when they get to the next level. That's the key to the NFL draft. Anybody can look up the stats and be able to see who did what for college football teams. But you've got to be able to judge their ability to do it on a different level how good a college football season was it this year? Did you see a lot of those guys who stood out for you that you said, "Yeah, oh, by the way, they may be ripping it up now." Uh, now in the college level, they're going to do the same exact thing in the NFL level.
1: Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I would say save for the Pac-12, just because a lot of those guys were pretty convinced they weren't going to play this season, and then they started so late in November and they played such a shortened schedule, we didn't get to see those guys really stretch their legs. So that hurt. I think that hurt a lot of guys' NFL stock in the Pac-12, and I think that's. You know, quickly here, that's one reason why a lot of those guys came back that may have went into the NFL draft in any other regular year for them. But, I mean, listen, this quarterback hall, we all know that. I mean, it's incredible. And the quarterbacks that have come out of college football, at least when, when you look at the, the the general, I guess, scouting report on them, I mean, going into the NFL, it's been fantastic. These are some fantastic quarterbacks you've had these last three or four years. And this year was no different. I mean, you got Justin Fields, got Mac Jones, got Zach Wilson, and of course you got Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, is going to go number one in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And these are guys that were, um, you know, depending on the school they went, generational quarterbacks at their schools and most definitely worthy of being first round picks. And I think when you look at these drafts here of late, it I always circle the quarterback spot for college football because here these last few years we've seen some really tremendous quarterbacks that one have performed very well, but once they get to the NFL they're not necessarily turning heads, so to speak, and becoming immediate guys, but, you know, they get they get in these mini camps, and the coaches are going, yep, what we uh, saw has been confirmed. We feel pretty good about these guys we picked up.
0: All right. of This year's class, and there will be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I think they're going in the top ten picks, and I think there's an outside chance that the first five picks in the draft could all be quarterbacks. So this is supposed to be an outstanding college draft. How many of them do you think will be asked to step right in and play right away? You mentioned previous classes. You had the Baker Mayfield-Sam Darnold class from a couple of years ago where uh, those two guys stepped in. Uh, Sam Rosen wasn't up to snuff with those guys. It took a little while before Lamar Jackson stepped in. Uh, they, up in Buffalo, they pushed him to the limit, got him in there, and now he's turned into a star quarterback. How many of the five that are going to go high do you think can step right in and play year one?
1: Well, I know he's getting a lot of flack or whatever behind the scenes to get people question him. but I think Justin Fields, to me, is a guy that can go in and be an immediate impact guy. And I know everybody always asks me, like, who's he compared to in the NFL now and all that? But, you know, when it comes to talent and just gamesmanship and what he's able to do in big moments, you know, I covered this guy uh, by the name of Back Prescott pretty closely early in his career at Mississippi State, and I knew pretty quickly just from watching him, that's a future NFL starter. And he was getting knocked around for saying he can't throw the ball very well. Well, Justin Fields is a better Dak Prescott than Dak Mm -hmm. Prescott was at this point. And I think he's a guy that can go into the NFL franchise, no matter which, and be a starter, if not right away within three years, if not two years. And the the guy's just incredible. I mean, what we saw in the playoff, what he did, you know, breaking records after they nearly broke his ribs in the playoff. uh, The guy, the guy's incredible. The one Quarterback that I'm, I'm actually low on among the five as you mentioned. The only one I'm kind of glancing my eye a little bit at is Zach. Is Zach Wilson? I'm BYU. I, I just when he went up against a pretty good defense at Coastal Carolina, I kind of sat there going, I don't know if this guy's got it. I mean, listen, he was the least touched quarterback in college football this past year. His offensive line was tremendous. Go talk to Jeff Grimes, his offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator when he was at BYU. I mean, that is why any quarterback could have won in that system and done very well. Not knocking Zach Wilson saying that's why he did well, but when we saw when people were actually getting a little bit of pressure, and even when the pressure wasn't there, there was just the threat of there being pressure in his face, he folded a little bit, especially in the big moment against Coastal Carolina. So I, I, I've, still, I've still got some questions about him.
0: Damn, I should have had you on previously because you see, you and I see it almost exactly the same. <laughs> it, it it just amazes me that people are rating, and the Jets being one of them, which is the team that I root yeah. for. And I'm going to be a little bummed that they take Wilson. I think Wilson got a chance to be good, not as good yeah. as uh, Fields, but both Fields and Wilson played a key game during a year against a team from the state of South Carolina. Not South Carolina, by the way, Clemson and Coastal Carolina. (laughs) Yes, Zach Wilson uh, got beat by Coastal Carolina while Mr. Fields put up six touchdowns against Clemson after taking a monster hit, getting back up, and then throwing four more touchdowns afterwards. How they have Zach Wilson rated ahead against Justin Fields boggles my mind, but you and I see that exactly the same. I also happen to be a Mac Jones fan. And people are saying, there's no way Mac Jones should be the number three pick in the draft. Uh, Why are the 49ers doing this? Yeah, Kirk Cousins had some success with their coach in a previous stop, and now Kirk Cousins back to being Kirk Cousins again. I'm a Mac Jones fan. I think the kid has got a chance to be a star, too. And I don't believe you have to be a mobile quarterback to win in the National Football League. He shows poise. He shows arm strength. He shows ability to make the big play in the big moment. Um, For the naysayers against Mac Jones, do you think uh, San Francisco would be making a mistake by taking him as high as number three?
1: Yeah, I don't. you know, that's a great question. And, of course, it all comes down to team needs. And, but I, I do kind of think that maybe number three might be a little bit too high for him. You know, I've talked to some guys, some guys who have been talking to people in the NFL and like myself, and, you know, some of them think Mac is probably going to fall maybe until the middle of the first round, um, which is very possible. I know everybody was retweeting and, and, and just ratioing, you know, tweets about uh, at pro day Mac Jones overthrowing a receiver and some drills. But, I mean, listen, Look what the guy did in games. Just watch game tape. I, I, hate, I hate it when we get into these pro days and even the combine. When, you know, of course, we didn't quite have it this year, but when we get in these pro days, we just seem to overanalyze every little thing. And so I'll tell you this if you want to know how important these pro days are, put a camera on these NFL coaches and GMs and people who go to these pro days and see what they're doing. They're not doing anything, they're just talking and chatting, drinking coffee. They're barely paying attention. I mean, they are not out there going, well, that's the guy we're going to pick because I saw him at Pro Day, and that's what he's doing. So ignore that Mac Jones Pro Day. I mean, don't put a lot of stock in it. He's a great quarterback, fantastic, and was great under pressure too. I don't think he gets enough credit for that at Alabama. Everybody just assumes Alabama has a great offensive line. They had a great offensive line, but he got they, teams got pressure on him at times this past season, and he stepped up and made some big throws. Of course, he had, I think, the two best receivers in all of college football this past season two of the better ones we've seen besides Jamar Chase here in the last three years, I think, in college football. But even th- without them in some games, when they were coming in and out and substituting, he was still on the money. He was still a game. Man. I-, I love him, but I do think that he might be a guy that could fall into the middle of the first round.
0: All right. If you had uh, your team starting from basically scratch, which we know is a hypothetical question because nobody starts from scratch, but you're just evaluating what they can do in the National Football League via their talent, Mac Jones or uh, Wilson, which one you taking?
1: Oh, i will take Mac in a heartbeat. As, yeah, as I said, he's faced so many better defenses, by the way, and more complex defenses, too, than what Zach Wilson faced in his time, especially this past season. I'd go Mac Jones in a heartbeat.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's break down the three receivers. You mentioned two of them with Alabama and Jamar Chase, who sat the year out, but wow, did his pro day. Uh, know how dominant he was the year before with Joe Burrow. Um, what order would you put the three wide receivers in? And is there a major drop-off between the th- any of the three from one to two or two to three, or do you think the three are all pretty damn close?
1: Yeah, I think they're pretty close. I think you're exactly right on there. I think they are. I mean, I've watched Jamar Chase up close as well. Obviously he sat out this past season. That that guy is going to be a superstar, I think, in the NFL. Devontae Smith, listen, that guy can do anything. He can play any position on the field on offense besides the offensive line. I think he would excel. The guy's fantastic. The big best thing about him, not necessarily his speed and his hips, but the way he runs routes and just has an ability to connect with his quarterback. It's a lot of extra work. In I know people hear that all the time. This guy's the last person off the field. That guy works so hard with this quarterback. That guy is going to be great in the NFL if he continues that. But the guy that no one—I mean, people are talking about—but I thought was maybe the best receiver I've seen in the SEC in the last five years is Jalen Waddell. I, this guy—I watched him in the Iron Bowl back in 2019. Every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was going to score a touchdown. The guy is phenomenal obviously got hurt this past season. I, I think he is going to be the guy we all turn back and go, oh, oh yeah, we forgot this guy may have actually been the better receiver on that Alabama roster despite it having the Heisman Trophy winner, in Devontae Smith. I really, really love that kid. And I, I, Listen, no one has had a better group of receivers over these last two years than Alabama than, say, maybe in the last 25 years of college football, I think. It's been an embarrassment of riches, obviously, with the talent they bring in there. But at receiver, especially these last two to three years, absolutely incredible what the Tide have been able to be able to bring their recruiting and develop.
0: Agree with your overall stance on how great the talent has been at the wide receiver position for Alabama. And you and I see the quarterbacks uh, so much the same. It looks like we studied each other's notes. Yeah, I disagree with you on the wide receivers. There is a separation between one and two, uh, between two and three. Um, Chase is the most physically gifted player. Sure, uh, Devontae Adams is the most talented player and accomplished player. And Jalen Waddle can run real fast. We'll see if that turns into success in the National Football League. Uh, I'm not as sold on him as uh, you are, so we'll see how the receivers shake out. All right, let's get that one last skill position in. Um, running back. Um The top two seem to be uh, the Alabama kid and Travis Etienne from um, Clemson. And then I'm not exactly sure. I know a lot of people have both North Carolina backs ranked uh, three and four thereafter. Are we missing anybody? I know it has become a de-emphasized position in the National Football League. It doesn't grab near as much attention as it once did. But I still think you need to have a running back if you want to be able to cut your quarterback some slack and not get him killed by having him drop him back 40 times a game. I still think it's a key, but that's just me. Uh, is this a decent running back class? The first two together, the two North Carolina kids together. Then it's kind of question mark. Uh, am I missing somebody? Is there someone who could be gra- grabbed in the third, fourth, fifth round who can step in and rush for a uh, 1, thousand, twelve hundred yards next year?
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. I mean, I, I do have some questions about the the Carolina kids because of the offense they're running, and I, I don't know, but. You know, you mentioned Travis Etienne. I mean, listen, a lot of people will say that, you know, even when Trevor Lawrence was on the field, that Etienne may have been the best player on the field. I don't agree with that. I've heard people tell it. but People have told me that. But, I, I, you know, I see some people putting Etienne, you know, in the middle to late first round. I I, I just wouldn't do that at this point. And I think the best running back in this class is Najee Harris but by far. That guy can do a little bit of everything, what you need him to do, catch it out of the backfield, of course, block and we saw what he was able to do between the tackles, but not just between the tackles. He's extremely fast outside, but I think he's the guy that kind of fits that NFL mold you want and can make an immediate impact from day one, but when you talk about you know, a second-day guy, I have a hard time. I mean, you could put a group of maybe five guys, maybe four guys, I should say, in that spot, but... You know, don't, you know, you mentioned the ones that, that should really be high on people's lists, but as you said, the NFL nowadays, those are guys that are in the second round, and even Travis Etienne, for some reason, some people are getting real high on him. Maybe he's a fr- late first-round guy. I would still wait to the second round to pick him up. But I would put Najee Harris easily ahead of him.
0: I would put Najee as the number one back too. So we're back to agreement. Let's see if we agree on this. Um, don't know if you had uh, personal dealings with him covering go- all the college football. You should have, uh, and uh, specifically the universities where he coached, uh, being the University of Florida. How is Urban Meyer going to fare as a National Football League coach? We know he's a phenomenal college football coach, and we know yeah. he's chock full of personality but that doesn't always lend itself to success as an NFL head coach. Is Urban Meyer going to be a trendsetter and make it um, something that teams will look to do going forward, bring in good college coaches to run their NFL franchise? Or will we hear the strains of, see, you can't change the tiger stripes, college football coaches are college football coaches. They can't get it done in the NFL.
1: My big question with him, and I'm sure others have brought this up is, I mean, listen, he might be, I mean, everybody takes losses hard, but he might take it the hardest out of any college football coach in the last 10 years of 10, 15 years that have come around. I mean, this guy, when he loses, it's like the world has ended and he's about to get the NFL where a great season would include four or five losses. I don't see how he would deal with that after all of his career, dealing with no more than two losses, pretty much an entire year, man, I, i I've, I've I don't just have questions of mark about you know the, the ability and what he could do. I think he's a great coach, but how is he going to react and bounce back when he loses five, six, seven, eight, probably nine games his first season? I I don't man I great coach, but he is not accustomed to losing. And when he loses, the world is ended, and he's about to see the end of the world a few times in Jacksonville. And uh, I question like kind of how he's his headspace will be, say, going in year two and year three as the head coach in the NFL. I, that's a big risk to take by hiring him for that reason.
0: That is a phenomenal point that I never thought of before because Urban's had some physical disabilities and some issues with his health because he takes losses as much as he did. The only thing that I, that I think you're wrong about is eight or nine losses in this first year. I'm a big <laughs> Trevor Lawrence fan. Oh, they're going to lose – Uh, 10, 11, or 13 in year one. He's he's stepping into a bad Jacksonville program that is going to take some time for him to turn around. So, yes, I hope he's still breathing at the end of this year because I think that's a great point. Uh, How is he going to handle all that losing? All right, uh, I'll give you an off-the-cuff one. After watching college football this year, all the teams, all the games, national perspective that you had Was there a player that you circled on your program, you made a mental note of, you wrote down, and you thought, damn, this kid can play, and he's just not getting the buzz? For whatever bearing reason, smaller program, played for a bad team, got hurt by not having a combine this year, isn't a workout warrior, but is a guy who just makes plays on the field is there a guy who, as you check max drafts and I hear what everybody's saying about the top players and the like, you can't believe isn't in that mix because you thought he was that good when you saw him play on the collegiate level?
1: Well, I wouldn't say anybody who would be going to the draft this year, but and these are two quarterbacks that I really like this past season. Michael Penix Jr. and what he was able to do before he got hurt, and also Dear King at Miami. I think this next season – He is going to blow the doors off of some opponents. And I think it's going to be between them and my, excuse me, Clemson for the ACC championship. But I think Miami's about to make a big move back in the national picture. I don't know if that makes Derek King a a guy that gets really, you know, that NFL buzz, but he's the type of guy on a college level we could be talking about two, three years down the road still because of what he was able to do in his final season at Miami. Big, Big question mark there, of course him coming off of his ACL surgery uh, that he uh, end up having uh, after their bowl game. So I really like watching those two guys. And as I said, I mean, in the Pac-12, we were robbed of so many potential great games, but also watching some great players uh, kind of, you know, emerge. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon is going to be a superstar this upcoming season. We get a full season in, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the quarterbacks out west as well and what they're able to do because I think we're we're kind of hitting a, maybe a downward tick in the Pac-12 when it comes to quarterbacks this season, but we're going to see those guys start coming of age this year, and they might be the next big-time quarterbacks we're talking about, say, in 2022-2023.
0: Very interesting because, and I was going to ask you this question, but you basically answered it. The last two years, Joe Burrow, number one overall pick in the draft, If you had evaluated him before his final season, he would have been a day three pick at best. No one had him going in the the first round or the second round, probably not even the third round. And then he had the most unbelievable season any college quarterbacks ever had. So he goes ends up going number one overall. Same thing with Zach Wilson. If you would evaluate him before this year, he might not have even been draftable. He surely would have been day three. He might have been an undrafted free agent. Now there's a good chance he's going to go number two overall. So in one season, a quarterback can make massive strides. I was going to ask you, who's that guy going forward for next year? Well, you gave me two names in Pinnocks and De'Aaron King. I will give them to you. I will keep them uh, under your name in my log. And if they turn into the, just that, I'll tell us, hey, you got to remember back to last April when I had Brandon Marcello on my show and he said, these are the guys who are going to jump up. I will give you 100% credit for it, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Another guy to watch maybe that can make that, that jump, maybe Bo Nix at Auburn with a. Uh... Bit of a quarterback developer finally as the head coach there in Brian Harson. It'll be interesting to watch there.
0: Damn. Now, now, after we agreed on so much, I think yeah, Nix is woefully, it, o- I, woefully overrated. And uh, if he has a decent year at Auburn this upcoming year, I will be surprised. I think he's going to be drafted, but I think there's no chance he's a first-round pick. But that's the, that's the fun yeah. part of this. We all take our stands, and we all find out whether we're right or wrong when the draft rolls around. Brandon, thanks for sharing your insights with us.
1: We appreciate you coming aboard. I appreciate you anytime. Thanks.